Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Meghan and Harry are pleased with the results of their bullying investigation as Queen Elizabeth's role scaled back for the first time in 10 years. So I think that this probably just adds flexibility for her to be there where she can, but doesn't necessarily require it as part of the obligations um, of this sovereign grant. Plus, Prince Charles reportedly meets Lilibet as William and Prince Harry share tributes to their late mother. There isn't a day during the past two and a half decades where I haven't thought about the mark she left, not only on me and my brother, but on all of our lives. And royal romance author Terry Wilson reveals which royal romances could influence her future books. You know, rumor has it she tried to escape Monaco like three times before the wedding, but she didn't have her passport. And there's just been a lot of drama, uh, you know, and cir- you know, circumstances surrounding their relationship. So obviously, I hope that the real life people are super happy and it's all just gossip, but it would make for a great story. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and another big week of royal news. We got Kate and William at Wimbledon. We got um, the Queen scaling back some of her duties. So a lot to get to. There's a lot to get to. I feel like some of these stories are kind of unique too. It's on our usual, you know, uh, events and things. There's some cool stuff going on this week. Definitely. But before we get into it, like always, we want to see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Daniel Wallace says William and Kate's visit to Cambridgeshire kind of felt like a goodbye, almost like their time as Duke and Duchess of Cambridge is coming to an end and their time as Prince and Princess of Wales is about to begin. Did you feel like that as well? I, you know, I hadn't thought about this until I saw this comment Mm -hmm. and there's so many things like, especially during the Jubilee, there were moments that felt more like a goodbye or like Mm -hmm. a a passing of the torch rather than sort of celebratory. So that's such a good point. Makes it all of these things kind of make you a bit emotional. (laughs) It really does. It really does. Like you said, kind of the passing of the the torch, but Cheryl makes a good point that the queen was out riding her horse again and got off the train unassisted. She seems to be feeling better. She's so cute. I love her. She definitely seems (laughs) like I mean, she had a great time in Scotland. I mean, she was out and about for four days in a row. Um, you know, I, going to I was tired. Watching I know. Her, going to I am not ninety six, <laughs> right? So she, um, you know, she's she looks great. She it seems like she's uh, feeling well. But you know, I'm sure each day is a different, uh, something different. Or you know, she's she's got to see how she feels. You know, when she wakes up in the morning, like the rest of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into speaking of the queen. Let's get into our royal roundup and kick it off with. The Queen Elizabeth, because her role has been changed for the first time in 10 years. Now, the annual report of the monarchy was released and the description of her role as head of state had been changed from 13 bulleted points to a less specific description. Additionally, those duties she must fulfill has been removed from the from her list 
And the subtle move, of course, shows how things have been changing over the past couple um, months and years and how she is dealing with those mobility issues. Um, the Sovereign Grant Report divides the Queen's role into two, the role of head of state, which is a formal constitutional concept common to all nations and involves the official duties, which the Queen by constitutional convention must fulfill. It also adds the role of head of nation, a much more symbolic role in the life of the nation involving duties which are not directed by the Constitution, but which the Queen carries out where appropriate or necessary. So, yeah, I mean, it didn't exactly say which bulleted points are being removed and things like that. So, but I mean, we have seen it's been evident that she has been taking a, se- a step back. Yeah, especially, you know, we saw recently with the state opening of Parliament. And I think that was a huge, yes. again, another passing of the torch moment where normally that would be the, the duty and the role of the queen mm-hmm. to be there. And she couldn't. Um, so I think that this probably just adds flexibility for her to be there where she can, but doesn't necessarily require it as part of the obligations um, of this sovereign grant, which I think it can get kind of sticky in legalese and anyone who's critical of the monarchy might start, you know, pulling up legal terms and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So this adds more flexibility for, you know, her role moving forward. Definitely. And at 96, she deserves it. Yes, she does. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like this story. So a rare portrait of Princess Diana is going on display in London on July 6th at the Philip Maud and Company's Gallery. Now in the artwork, the art Work, the princess is shown wearing a green velvet Catherine Walker halter dress that she wore in the lead up to her famous 1997 Vanity Fair magazine shoot. She later changed into a traditional white blouse and blue skirt for the final image. But gallerist Philip Maud released a statement to CNN saying, as royal painted portraits go, it is extraordinarily rare for an artist to capture both the public and private character simultaneously. Shang's sketch uniquely fuses Diana's glamour with the affecting pathos of her final years. We felt it belonged in a British collection and are delighted to be able to, to display it in her home city. Now, this portrait was originally displayed at Kensington Palace, the home she shared with her sons, before it was moved to Northamptonshire, 75 miles north of London. In January, it sold for more than 10 times its projected sale price, fetching a price of over $200,000 at an auction house. I actually thought it might go for a little bit more than that. I mean, you know, you think about that, but then it's like one portrait. Um, right, and then you true. wonder who's buying it, whether it's like a private collector or is that you know um i i love this i think it's so interesting and i love that it's sort of moved to these to different places that have been important to her right um it's almost like keeping her alive in a way or you know keeping her memory fluid you know i i really i'm excited about this might try and go see it if i can yeah no definitely you try to sneak out a little bit but it is it's such a beautiful portrait and like they said it does kind of um toe the line between what she was like publicly and privately. And, you know, you see like the deep emotion behind her eyes in this portrait. It's, it's beautifully done. And, oh, uh, you know, I hope we get to get, get a chance to go see it. Yeah, I know. I love, I love these portraits because they're made to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this with William and Kate's new portrait yeah. that I saw at the Fitzwilliam. And it's like, this is made to live for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting. The thought that goes into them. It really is. All right. Well, moving on, continuing to talk about Princess Diana because <laughs> Prince Harry remembered his mother. Um, what would have been her 61st birthday during the Diana Awards. Take a look. Today we're reflecting on what would have been my mother's 61st birthday. And this year is also 25 years since her passing. 
There isn't a day during the past two and a half decades where I haven't thought about the mark she left, not only on me and my brother, but on all of our lives. I see her legacy in all of you. I see her legacy in a Diana Award community that spans multiple generations. I see her legacy every time I meet with families, young people, and children from all corners of the world. And I see my mum's legacy when I look at my own children every single day. Yeah, was it what he said was so moving, how his, you know, he sees his mother's legacy and all of the recipients for these awards, but also with his children. And um, it was a nice surprise for the people for the Diana Awards. I think so. It's another example of sort of royals, you know, really fulfilling their duty and making people mm-hmm. feel special. I mean, those recipients must have really felt, you know, really touched and really felt important that he would send that message. Yeah, definitely. And Prince William also sent a message in a moving letter to the recipients. He wrote, I hugely admire your efforts. Your stories are remarkable. Many of you face huge challenges in the face of difficult times, yet you are tirelessly breaking down barriers to create a better future for us all. You truly are the personification of my mother's legacy, and I know she would be so proud of you all. I believe there's no better way to celebrate her life and work than through recognizing incredible people who dedicate so much time and effort to helping those around them. Um, yeah, so another beautiful letter to these recipients. And this is the only charity, I believe, that holds Diana's name. So this is something that is really important to both William and Harry. It is. It's so interesting. It's not really um, it wasn't created by anyone directly related mm-hmm. to Diana. Um, and it's it's an award that uh grant that recognizes young people who are undertaking humanitarian efforts and humanitarian projects, which, you know, Diana would be so proud of. And she would, I think she would love lending her name to this, this project. And it's so wonderful to see William and Harry are really supportive of it every year, considering it's not like they started this award, you know, someone else did it, but they're still, you know, so supportive and encouraging of the work that's being done. Definitely. All right. Well, moving on to Prince Charles, because this was interesting. At a briefing went um, last week for the annual Royal Financial Report, it was revealed that Charles is a prolific letter writer penning more than 2,400 letters a year. And he writes almost seven a day. Many are written directly to members of the public. And he reportedly receives tens of thousands of letters a year. And he sees a large selection of letters that are written personally to him by UK citizens. He's busy. I mean, he's a busy guy. He still makes time to write these handwritten letters. And I think that probably means so much to so many people. It really does. I mean, imagine getting a letter back that was written, you know, by not by like a secretary or anything, but really, you know, the Prince of Wales had received your letter and wrote back to you. I can't believe it. But I am more shocked about the amount of time he must have. He must not sleep because... I think we learned maybe last week or the week before that Camilla said that, you know, they'll sit and read books together. And I'm like, so he has time to just sit around and read as well. So all these letters, the work he does, and he's like reading, you know, these lengthy books. Yeah. I mean, it must be, I mean, he must get like two hours of sleep, like you said. I don't know where, (laughs) I don't know how he's packing this all into 24 hours, but good for him. I love it. Um, Somebody else that is keeping busy, of course, is Duchess Kate. This is also a really fun story because she got her very first magazine cover, but not in the way that you might think. So she was asked by her stepmother, Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, to take her portrait for the front cover of Country Life, a magazine dedicated to countryside pursuits, which she has guest edited to mark her 75th birthday, and it will be released on July 13th. So editor Mark Hedges said, we are thrilled to have our guest editor captured so magnificently by royal photographer, the Duchess of Cambridge. We understand this is the first time a formal portrait of the Duchess of Cornwall has been taken by the Duchess of Cambridge for a magazine, and we 
are honored to have been chosen to be the first to publish this beautiful photograph. It is beautiful. And, you know, <laughs> Kate's love of photography um, shines through in so many different avenues, whether it's taking pictures of her children and that she posts on Instagram doing the um, the whole what's the campaign? I'm sorry. It's, hold still. Hold still. Hold still yeah. campaign. So, you know, it's, she loves photography and this is uh, another great example of that. I thought this was so lovely. This really shows that Camilla and Kate must be very close. Yeah. And then it also sort of shows that Camilla and William must be close as well. You know, I think mm-hmm. this was a great indicator of their family relationship that they all get on well. Camilla clearly trusts Kate. I mean, it's very like when you choose someone to specifically to take your picture, you must trust that person. Yes, to make that is so it. true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and again, this is another royal who has so many hobbies. I mean, Kate is an incredible photographer. Mm-hmm. She gardens. She does. She plays tennis. She sports. She does so much. What do they what's in the water over there? I will have what everybody else is having over there. Please give me something that royal water um, that energy. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned tennis and Kate and William finally made their appearance at Wimbledon. We've been waiting for this. They love going each and every year. And um, what I love this look on Kate. I, she's rocking the polka dots lately. She is so into polka dots and these sort of vintagey designs, especially yeah. coming from Alessandra Rich. But yeah, William and Kate had a little daytime date at the uh, quarterfinals at Wimbledon. And everyone loves seeing Kate at Wimbledon every year. I feel like it's such a highlight of the summer calendar. Mm-hmm. And she did just popped in this bright blue polka dot dress. Um, really cool sort of modern accessories. And yeah. I loved it. I'm so excited. I suspect we'll see her again at Wimbledon. So I'm excited I, to see what else she wears. Right. And I like uh, William in this laid back sunglasses look. Very cool. <laughs> they <laughs> always look so strange in sunglasses. It's they do, like right? Knee royals and sunglasses, but they look amazing. Yeah, they always look amazing. They really do. I love it. I love it so much. All right. Well, now it is time to spill some royal tea. And Prince Charles was reportedly very emotional over his first meeting with his granddaughter, Lilibet. So he reportedly met Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's daughter during Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee. Um, People magazine reported that he hadn't met Lilibet, his granddaughter. And so to meet her for the very first time was very emotional. It was a wonderful thing. It was a fantastic visit. The prince was delighted to see his grandson and meet his granddaughter for the first time. It was wonderful to have um, to have the family back, even for such a short trip. Uh, we haven't confirmed this yet, but I'm hoping that it's true because I think that that would be such a wonderful thing. I know we talk about it so much, but really these are, this is a family that we're talking mm-hmm. about. And I think that we, you know, you want them to get along at the end of the yeah. day and have these special family moments. It is hard living so far apart. And I'm sure that if, if this story is true, which I hope it, yeah. I hope it is that mm-hmm. um, it was special for Charles and for Harry. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it was. And I'm sure that Charles would make the time to meet his great uh, granddaughter for the very first time, <laughs> despite hope. all the drama and things like that, you know, that's, that's what comes first. So hopefully it happened. Um, all right. So moving on to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, once again, they are pleased with the results of the bullying investigation against the Duchess of Sussex. A source tells us Meghan is a fair boss and never bullied anyone who worked for her at the palace in the first place. She's happy that her name has been cleared from the defamatory claims. She and Harry are looking forward to putting the incident behind them and are happily moving on with their lives in Montecito. On June 29th, Buckingham Palace announced that the investigation had concluded and revealed that though their findings would not be made public, much to the dismay of Harry and Meghan, with an insider telling us that the couple is disappointed that the results of the review of the the investigation will not be shared. 
Um, I'm sure everybody is happy to put this behind them. I really think that the part of that statement that's most important is that they're looking forward to putting it behind them and they're happily moving on with their lives in yes. Montecito. I think mm. that's sort of a blanket statement for a lot of things that are going on. It's just that mm. we, they want to put this drama behind them. They just want to move on with the work that they're doing and, you know, sort of carry on with their lives. Definitely. And I'm sure, yeah, like you said, carry on moving on and yeah, moving, on. moving on. All right. Well, we'll move on as well because we're so excited excited about this one because we are breaking down the royal rules this week with best-selling actually the queen of royal romance <laughs> best-selling author terry wilson take a look terry thank you so much for joining us today before we get started we have to talk about your matching outfits over <laughs> zoom i love this <laughs> I know. I told Terry, one of us is going to have to change. Well, Carol Middleton wore this Bowdoin jumpsuit to Wimbledon last week, and clearly we all ordered it with express shipping. Um, <laughs> but Terry, you look amazing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Who wore it best? No. I, oh, I think Carol did. No. Get We both both look fabulous, and we're like we said, we're so excited to chat with you today. You are the queen of royal romance. Have written so many different books about you know about royal romance. So when did you first get interested in the royal family? When did this love kind of first come about? Um, well, for me, it started with uh, Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. So Lady Diana, as of course she was known back then, came onto the scene when I was in junior high. I think I was about 12. And, um, you know, I was at that awkward, you know, preteen stage. My father died in a car accident like a year before she and Prince Charles got engaged. And um, I don't know. I just really felt a kinship with her. Uh, mm -hmm. She seemed so shy and kind of ill-prepared for the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And that vulnerability ability just I really identified with her a lot even though obviously we didn't have much in common <laughs> um but you know like I met Christine on Instagram because we're both part of the replicate community where we you know, uh buy outfits inspired by Kate Middleton mm -hmm. but I mean my very first royal inspired purchase was a Gucci handbag uh, because Lady Diana carried one to one of Prince Charles's polo matches Mm -hmm. And um, I remember saving my allowance like for like six months. It was a while. It was a while. And then I finally went and bought like the tiniest handbag Gucci had. And uh, <laughs> but I was so proud of it. It was my it was my Diana bag. So uh, tell us about your books, because we love I love um, uh, someone. Uh, we didn't coin the queen of royal romance. That is how you are known on the mm -hmm. Internet. Um, so as the queen of royal romance, have you been inspired by the royal family in any of your books? Oh, of course. And actually, um, Hallmark Channel is the one who started calling me Queen of Royal Romance, which I love. <laughs> I love Which, it. um, it's kind of funny because I've had four Hallmark Channel movies made from my books and none of them have been royal. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have, you know, Hallmark has a publishing company now and I write for them and I write, I'm on my third royal book for them. So they're the ones who started calling me that. And I just, I just loved it. Um, but yeah, I guess my first royal romance, I, I, I have a visual aid, uh, <laughs> was a book called The Princess Problem that I wrote for Harlequin because I also write for Harlequin. And when I wrote this for them, I said, I want a cover that looks like a Tiffany's Christmas ad. And that's totally what they gave me. I loved it. Um, but, you know, I've just, you know, because I love the Royals, I'm always just inspired by those Royal type stories uh, from the you know, there, there, there's the plot we've seen a million times where someone's dating someone and then finds out, oh, my God, he's a prince. And it's like the worst thing in the world that has ever happened. 
<laughs> and that, I mean, I'm catnip for that kind of story. Yeah. You know, I'll read that and write that any day of the week just because it's so fun. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, Royal Romances have been around for a while and I'm always looking for a new, I always want to do something new, you know, try and make it fresh and new. And so my first Royal book for Hallmark was Once Upon a Royal Summer. It came out last year and it's about a theme park princess, you know, someone who plays a prince, a fairy tale princess at a theme park, kind of like Disney, who ends up having to give a VIP tour to a real life visiting prince. It's their romance. And I just love it because it made for so much banter. You know, how awkward is that? You know, a theme park prince and a real life prince. And then she gets invited to the palace and it's like a whole new level of awkward. Um, So, you know, we always love those commoner royal stories, kind of like the real life Kate Middleton, Prince William. So, um, yeah, so I have a lot of inspiration from real life. I love that so much. I love that. I did. I I read that book and it was delightful. Was that last summer? Yeah, it came out last summer and there's a follow-up book coming out this year. I don't have a copy of it yet (laughs) called uh, Once Upon a Royal Christmas. And it's not a sequel, but it's very definitely along the same lines because it's a children's party princess who wins a contest to go to a Swiss uh, kingdom during Christmas and um, starts a romance with a super grumpy real life prince. So I know you are a royal watcher. I know you follow all the royal news. Mm-hmm. What current royal news story, or even just within the last couple of years, like what's, you know, what do you think would make a good book? You know, one of the recent royal headlines that you could turn into like a really fun novel? Um, Well, there's two that really stick out in my head. And one of them I hate talking about because it sounds so gossipy, but I'm going to answer you honestly. (laughs) Um, You know, it's the whole Princess Charlene thing in Monaco. Um, You know, she's been out of the public, actually ever since the wedding, ever since she married Albert, there's been a whole thing like, you know, is she in this relationship because she wants to be, you know, rumor has it she tried to escape Monaco like three times before the wedding, but she didn't have her passport. And there's just been a lot of drama, uh, you know, and cir- you know, circumspect surrounding their relationship. So obviously I hope that the real life people are super happy and it's all just gossip, but it would make for a great story, right? Yeah, oh my God, it made for a great story. <laughs> I know. So that, and then um, I don't have the story right in front of me, so I don't remember the actual people's names, but I did print it out and I have it in a file folder because someday I'm going to write this story. Um, <laughs> but it's the, you know, it's the Italians, you know, they have pretenders to the throne because you know they don't have an actual royal family anymore but it's a teenage girl like 16 and she's like an instagram influencer and i guess you know her family you know her dad is trying to say she's the rightful heir to the italian throne Um, i i heard this story yeah she's it's an instagram influencer and like her dad is trying to claim that she's the real deal that would be an amazing book (laughs) i'm trying to write that story so if there's any other authors watching this do not copy (laughs) Not take it. I have did. I think you know an Insta- a young girl Instagram influencer suddenly being like the queen of Italy would be just Amazing. so much fun. To write. Oh, she is so much fun. Make sure to go grab all of her books, watch the movies, um, and you know just devour it all because it's great. It's so great, especially summertime. Yes. You're going to cooler the beach. It's mm-hmm. so good to pick up one of those. Definitely. All right. Well, time to check in on our pint-sized palace. And Mike Tyndall is telling a story about his photo with Prince Louis at the Platinum Jubilee. On his podcast, The Good, The Bad, and The Rugby, fellow host James Haskell joked that Mike, who is married to Queen Elizabeth's granddaughter Zara, had become a social media
media celebrity since the Jubilee, where he gained thousands of followers for sharing a behind the scenes look at the festivities. When asked what he was doing with Prince Louis, because he was making like the eyes uh, <laughs> like to look at him, he said, I actually can't remember. I can't remember what he was doing. He's such a good character. He is that Louis. Yes. I mean, he is such a character. Louis was the star of the Platinum Jubilee. And um, it's it's funny that he like always gives us these little tidbits. Doesn't give I us too know. much with these little tidbits. <laughs> it's amazing. Who is the person who has to listen to a rugby podcast and pull like royal quotes from it? You know, it's not sure. It's like an hour long podcast. Yeah. Right. And someone has to sit there and be like, oh, oh, another royal story. But no, I love him lately, especially he's been Mike Tyndall's been posting photos of him and Zara swapping hats at these grand events. And then it's just so much fun. But I know we love hearing that they really all seem like such a close knit family. Mm-hmm. All the cousins really get along. All the cousins clearly love the aunts and uncles or, yeah. you know, the second cousins, whatever the relationship is. Um, but yeah, it's so fun to hear. So much fun to hear. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Royally Us. Guys, keep commenting, keep subscribing. And Christine and I will see you next week. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.